Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The Shot Doctor, I'm Jerry O'Neill. Set to talk some bracket basketball and college basketball. We welcome from Sports Illustrated and SI.com, uh, part of his talents, writing about the sport. Michael Beller joins us. Michael, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Wow, good to have you with us. It's almost I need a t- timeout just to get a- <laughs> after the intro there a little bit. Today we've been monitoring games in Brooklyn in, in the ACC where Louisville beat Florida State and Boston College upset North Carolina State. Uh, do either Florida State and or North Carolina State have any worrying to do the rest of the week? Maybe a little bit if basically every bubble team uh, makes a little bit of a run in their respective tournaments. I think both those teams are going to be safe. I think North Carolina State definitely. I mean, North Carolina State uh, really racked up some impressive wins uh, in the ACC, taking down some of that conferences and, uh, you know, conference that's always among the best in the country. Really uh, won some big games. Beat Duke, and that really sort of jump-started their season. Sure. Beat Clemson, beat North Carolina on the road. So I think they should be safe. I think same goes for Florida State. Maybe not quite as safe as NC State, but yeah. uh, another team that uh, had six of these big, what uh, the, the selection committee now is calling Quadrant 1 victories. And when you have those that many victories uh, in the first quadrant, the one that's really they're putting the most weight on, you're probably going to get in. Again, if, if Syracuse goes on a deep run, if Marquette goes on a big run in the Big East, if Baylor and Kansas State go on big runs in the, in the Big 12, then maybe Florida State starts to get a little nervous. But the, the chances of each and every one of those hitting are pretty slim. I think both those teams are ultimately going to be safe come Sunday. Michael, I read on your Twitter page uh, on Wisconsin, so I take it you're from the Badger State up there? Is that right? I am uh, from Chicago. I went oh, okay. to school at Wisconsin. Okay, well, I grew up in northern Indiana, so I'm a, a Big Ten guy by birth. I, uh, You know, the top part of the Big Ten is pretty good, but it's been a, mm-hmm. a, a weak year overall, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's going to be four teams in the, in the tournament from the Big Ten. We know that for sure. Penn State and Nebraska both sort of lived on the bubble for the back half of the Big Ten season, but neither of those teams did what it needed to do in the Big Ten tournament to right. get in. You got yeah. Michigan State, you got Purdue, you got Ohio State, and you got Michigan. The nice thing, though, is that I think you got three Final Four contenders in there in Purdue, Michigan State, and Michigan. So a bad year top to bottom, but a strong year at the top for the Big Ten. You know, Duke, I've been watching them the whole year, and they were a good team. They became a really good defensive team about the last three or four weeks of the season, and they they seem to be heading into uh, March Madness with a really full head of steam here. Do you like where Duke is trending right now, and do you like the way that they're built to take uh, make a long run when the tournament begins? Absolutely. I think Duke, we should be thinking about them as probably one of the, the two or three best uh, championship contenders uh, going into March, regardless of what they do this week. We've seen teams make deep runs in tournaments. We've seen teams sort of flame out early in their conference tournament and it hasn't had much of an effect on that. So I don't think we need to put too much stock into what they do in the ACC tournament this week. Uh, you say you mentioned the defense and what they've done the last three or four weeks. I mean, that really is what I think is ultimately separating them from most of the rest of the pack. We knew that this was a great offensive team coming into the season. They proved that right from the jump uh, with Marvin Bagley, the guy who's going to be a top, what, three, maybe four pick in the NBA draft and Wendell Carter really just sitting into that offense perfectly. But getting the defense to the level that it has over the last month or so is really going to make this a special team, a very tough team for any sort of upset possibility to happen. We know it only takes one game, of course, in the NCAA tournament, but Duke 
Villanova, Virginia. I think maybe those three teams should be feeling a little bit better about themselves than everyone else in the country right now. Uh, typically, Michigan State always has good runs in this tournament, though last year that certainly was not the case. But Michigan State, as far as being a balanced team, I think they're really balanced on offense and balanced on defense. Thus, is this one of time is those teams that's, gonna, that's ready for a big, deep run? You know, I think so. I think, though, if, if you're a Michigan State fan, one thing uh, that maybe concerns you uh, a, a little bit is that uh, you, you know, they only lost four games, but those four games all came against some of the best teams they played. We talked about the fact that the Big Ten was down this year. You're not really going to get the sort of credit that you typically would uh, from winning 16 games in the Big Ten this season. Uh, they lost twice to Michigan. They lost to Duke. They lost to Ohio State. only team they beat that really is going to be another Final Four contender is Purdue. They also beat North Carolina early season, so I guess we give them two good wins. What you love about this team, of course, is they've got NBA talent. they got two guys who are going to be lottery picks in a couple of months here in Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges. And when you have that level of talent, of course you can go on and win four straight games to get to a Final Four, six straight games, and win a national championship, especially when you got Tom Izzo on the sidelines. I still rate them just a little bit below some of the, uh, the bigger contenders just because we have seen these long stretches, even against some lesser competition, where they struggle to get offense, where Miles Bridges looks sort of you know, withdrawn from the offense. And when that happens, uh, bad things happen to this team. So that's why I'm a little bit concerned about them. But again, another team that I think we should be counting on as a Final Four contender, regardless of where they are seated. I think they're probably looking at a three, maybe a two, depending on what happens the rest of this week. Our guest is Michael Beller, college basketball insider at SI.com, Sports Illustrated, amongst other things that he may write about. Uh, we'll get away from the Big Ten, but one more thought. Uh, John Beeline at Michigan has done an incredible job. Last week, four wins in four days at Madison Square Garden to score that tournament win. That, that looks like a tournament team. I mean, they move the ball, they shoot the ball, they hustle. Uh, it's uh, it, it really, for where they've been through the course of the year, uh, they are peaking at the right time, I think. Definitely, and another great defensive team. You know, the hallmark of some of these beeline teams in Michigan, and even really going back to his teams at West Virginia, are a very efficient offensive team. That's true about this Michigan team as well, but probably the best job he has done defensively since getting to Ann Arbor. The, the Achilles heel here is the thing that could trip them up. Uh, maybe no great point guard play like they got from Derek Walton last year in their run to the Sweet 16. That's something that maybe you worry about a little bit with Michigan, but with the way that offense is clicking with you know the chemistry that we've seen from that team now two years in a row, I think you have to have a lot of confidence in them going into the tournament. Michael, as uh, memory serves me, there have been times in the last decade where you had to really stretch to see if the SEC would get as many as three teams, and maybe sometimes they perform better than what we thought they would going into the tournament. But this in your daddy's SEC, there's quite a bit of depth in this uh, uh, conference this year, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we've been sort of hearing about this uh, this mythic uh, year that's coming for the SEC. Now, this is the year for the SEC. I swear, I swear, this is going to be the one. And it's been talked about for, I don't know, five, six, seven, maybe 10 or 15 years now. Finally, it has arrived. It's no longer a myth. I think we, we see at least seven SEC teams in the dance, uh, potentially as many as eight or nine, depending on what we see out of Alabama, LSU, and maybe Mississippi State as well. 
uh, in the SEC tournament. Uh, it's not just the depth either, you guys. We've got some real Final Four contenders here. Auburn and Tennessee uh, really uh, impressed everyone this season. I think Auburn could be a dangerous team. Slowed down a little bit uh, in the second half of the schedule there, but uh, really a team that gets up and down the floor, a team that's going to play pretty much four guards throughout. And uh, you know, When they get out of league play and when they get a, a matchups against teams that aren't used to what they do, mm-hmm. they don't have a ton of tape on them, they're going to make a lot of teams uncomfortable. Sort of reminds me of what Michigan did when they made that run to the championship game that they lost ultimately to Louisville where they were bogged down in the Big Ten and that ended up getting them a four seed when they got out of the Big Ten and got themselves matched up with teams that weren't really used to what they were doing with their floor spacing, they got themselves a lot of good matchups. I think we could see something similar with Auburn this season. And then, of course, Kentucky. It's been an up-and-down year, but athletes all over the floor, a time-tested coach, of course, in John Calipari, they are always going to be a threat, whether they're a two-seed, a six-seed, doesn't really matter. They're going to be a threat uh, regardless of where they end up in the field. It's 5 o'clock in the East. We are WYGM Orlando, WJRR HD2 Cocoa Beach, FM 96.9 The Game, on AM 740 and on the iHeart app. This is the finish line. Michael Beller, our guest, college basketball insider at Sports Illustrated. All right, Michael, let's talk about those Florida Gators, the SEC. They're 20-11 and 11 entering the SEC tournament. They finished the year pretty well with three straight wins, one of which was against Kentucky. They have a lot of seniors, a lot of veteran leadership, um, but they had a good, strong finish to the season. Where are you right now with the Gators, who last year almost made the Final Four anyway? Yeah, I think uh, you know this is a, another one of these SEC teams that uh, draw is going to be very important for them, and we've sort of seen that with them all season, right? Uh, you know, they, they, you want to go way back to the non-conference, way back to you know, right around Thanksgiving. You know, they, they beat Gonzaga on a neutral floor in two overtimes, and they stuck with a very strong offensive team. A couple nights after that, right there with Duke too, sticking with what was not a great defensive team at the time, but again, a very strong offensive team. Then. You go a couple weeks later, you get them at home against Loyola, which just polished off the Missouri Valley and is going to be one of the more dangerous double-digit seats in the tournament. A team that doesn't turn the ball over, a team that really slows it down, and you saw them be able to slow Florida down and go into Gainesville and come out with what was a huge victory at the time for the Ramblers. So I really think draw is going to be paramount, and that's true for a lot of teams. It's true for pretty much every team. It really doesn't matter. Uh, it's a matchup game, and what you, uh, who you're matched up against is going to have a big impact on how far you're able to go. But I think for Florida, for if we're talking about teams that definitely have legitimate second weekend aspirations and maybe a sliver of Final Four hopes, that draw is more important to them than the average team that we talk about with that. you got to like what they did the last three games of the season, as you mentioned, uh, beating Auburn, a huge win where they just ran away from Kentucky. Definitely a team that appears to be playing its best basketball going into the SEC tournament. So we've seen a lot of Arizona and the controversy involving uh, head coach Sean Miller. He's back again, but they might have the best player in the country in DeAndre Ayton, and they got another good player in Alonzo Trier, who's back from a second suspension. And when Arizona's going good, they're actually a really good team. But I'm, but as, as far as the tournament goes, Michael, Arizona's strengths and weaknesses, how do they balance out here? You know, I mean, everything you say is right, and DeAndre Ayton, you know, in, in my estimation, should be the number one pick in the NBA draft in a couple of months, but it just concerns me that they didn't steamroll over the Pac-12 this year. I mean, this is a down year in the Pac-12. And what has been a series of down years, this could be one of the worst that we've seen in recent memory. I mean, outside of Arizona, I mean, Arizona State, when I jumped on with you guys, they were losing to Colorado. They might have lost that game. or They could be falling out of the field. And there's a a possibility, depending on what happens with UCLA, what happens with USC, that Arizona – 
is all alone by themselves out of the Pac-12. I don't think that would happen, but it just goes to show that this is a poor conference. And with Arizona having the ceiling that it has, even with everything that has gone on with that team this season, having the ceiling they have, having the likely number one overall pick in the NBA draft, they should have absolutely dominated the Pac-12 this season. They lost four games. They played a couple other really close ones and ones that, frankly, that shouldn't have been all that close. One that stands out recently uh, was a, an overtime game against Oregon State, and they go on and lose to Oregon. I mean, they really should not have had any sort of trouble in this conference, and that concerns me for the NCAA tournament because they're going to be playing. They're going to be playing teams better than the average Pac-12 team pretty much from maybe their first game, depending on where they're seated, and certainly from their second game onward. The feeling, of course, is national championship. I just don't think that they've shown the consistency uh, that should give anyone any confidence that they're going to hit that this year. In the Pac-12, Colorado has an 11-point lead with just under 10 seconds to play, so they will knock off Arizona State today. Colorado will get Arizona in the first game tomorrow. Three more games yet to come today and tonight uh, out in the Pac-12. They're playing out in Las Vegas. Again, Michael Beller, our guest, college basketball insider for SI.com Sports Illustrated. Uh, A couple other things here. Uh, obviously, the Big 12. I mean, we may, we may see Haley's Comet come back before <laughs> Bill Self loses a regular season as the Kansas head coach in that conference, but some pretty good talent in that conference again this year, right? Yeah, it's going to be uh, you know another, another strong year in terms of teams put into the tournament from the Big 12, Kansas, Texas Tech, West Virginia. Uh, no question about those teams. I don't think there's any question either about TCU. I know Oklahoma has fallen off, obviously. It's been one of the big stories of the second half of this season. Yeah. But I still think with what they did early on in the Big 12 and uh, in the non-conference that they are relatively safe, probably as a nine seed, depending on what they do against Oklahoma State tonight. This is going to be a team that, or a conference, excuse me, that does get a lot of teams in. I question the ceiling of these teams overall, uh, other than Kansas and maybe Texas Tech. We've seen a lot of back and forth, a lot of jockeying for position. Uh, in the Big 12, uh, sometimes when you get into conference play, you get so familiar with one another that you sort of make each other look a little bit better than you actually are when you get outside the conference. It was just a couple years ago that West Virginia and Baylor both went into the tournament, uh, thought of as Final Four contenders, and they both went out in the first round. So we've seen it from this conference before. Uh, but, yes, this is going to be a league that puts uh, not only a lot of teams into the tournament, but teams that really have some real aspirations and what Bill Self has done at Kansas again this season, what Devontae Graham uh, has been able to do sort of taking the reins from Frank Mason last year and duplicating what Mason did in his national player of the year run. Really impressive. I think you have to uh, be looking at Kansas, uh, not only as a uh, final four contender, uh, but certainly as a national championship contender and uh, probably the team going into these big conference uh, tournaments. That is the favorite to get the final number one overall seed. Uh, Michael, uh, tomorrow night starts, or actually tomorrow afternoon, starts the series of games for the American Athletic Conference here in Orlando at Amway Center. UCF, we're the proud home of the Knights, football, basketball, even baseball. Tonight they're at Florida, the number one team in college baseball. They played here last night. UCF beat uh, Florida. Uh, But let's talk a little bit. Um, Johnny Dawkins is in his second year as the UCF basketball coach. His son, Aubrey, had transferred in, probably was going to be the best player. They had Taco Fall, the big 7'6 kid, made incredible strides to last year, then got hurt and is going to miss you know, most of this year. Not necessarily about UCF, but about the conference, the American Athletic Conference. 
Are you a buyer in Cincinnati and Wichita State? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a conference that's not going to have a ton of intrigue, I think, in its tournament in terms of uh, teams getting into the dance. Cincinnati, Wichita State, Houston, absolutely locked in. Everyone else, it's win this tournament or bust. So we pretty much know what to expect from the AAC. I do like Cincinnati. Yeah, I think uh, with what they've showed this season, uh, uh, really um, sort of punctuating it with that win last week to, to wrap up the regular season at Wichita State. Uh, a very tough team. We always know that Mick Cronin is going to have strong defensive teams. It's been a hallmark uh, of his ever since he's been at Cincinnati. But easily, easily, without question, the best offensive team that he has had this year. And when you have uh, two guys like Jacob Evans and Gary Clark who can do what they can do offensively, then you're going to be very dangerous in the tournament. And again, this is another one of those teams that when it gets outside its league and when it gets itself against teams that aren't really used to, especially what it does uh, on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to be a very very tough matchup. You do worry about them a little bit against a team that can score because uh, Cincinnati, even though this is the best Mick Cronin offensive team we've seen uh, since he's been there, uh, they can get into these uh, these stretches where they have a lot of trouble offensively, and if they go up against a team that can score the basketball and can play up into the high 70s, into the 80s, you know, maybe Cincinnati can't quite match that. So that is where you really could see them run into some trouble, but I think definitely we should be thinking about them uh, as a, a Final Four contender with everything uh, that they've showed this season. Now, we've got to talk about the defending champions, North Carolina. Let's see, 22-9. and nine. Joe Berry is back. Theo Pinson is back. Luke May has been a breakout star, and uh, he's a fantastic player. But North Carolina does have some weaknesses. How far can they really go as defending champions in this tournament? Again, another team that uh, I think has uh, has some legitimate Final Four hopes, and you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I, it's really the theme of this season that you know not only is there not one dominant team this year, but the group of teams that we usually think of as separating themselves from the pack is a lot deeper than it's been in recent seasons. And I know off the top, I, I was talking about Duke Villanova and Virginia, and I do think they've separated themselves a little bit, but I still think more or less they're in a group uh, of maybe you know ten or twelve teams that not only could be going to San Antonio, but could be cutting down the nets in San Antonio. North Carolina, definitely among that group. And for them, it really comes on the other side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball. This is a team that, at the start of the year, basically their best offense was, let's just throw it up, create an offensive rebound, we'll grab that, we'll put it back. One of the best rebounding teams in the country. But you've seen Luke May turn it on offensively of late, Joel Berry, and really Theo Pinson as well. And, and if those three guys can sort of carry over what they did all through February into the NCAA tournament, then they are going to be a really, really dangerous offense, and that's what's going to get them uh, maybe back to the Final Four. Michael, last thing, and this takes uh, you know maybe a while, but we've only got about a minute, uh, that giant cloud over college basketball with the FBI report of several months ago, and then you know here within the last 10 days what looked to be a tsunami a report by Yahoo and then uh, ESPN. I know SI has done work on this as well, and yet it seems to have passed as we head toward you know March Madness. What do, what do you think is? How do you define what's been going on and what is going on in college basketball? Uh, you know, this is uh, this is not something that I've reported on personally, so I don't want to uh, come off as some sort of expert on on that and on everything that's going on with that. But uh, it feels like. Uh, the the antiquated, uh, seemingly anti-labor rules that uh, that uh, the NCAA has in place are, are catching up to them, and that it's going to take reforming of the rules and not necessarily reforming of 
the players, the coaches, the recruiters uh, to really fix this. And uh, I guess I can speak for college basketball fans everywhere when I say that I'm happy that at least it's not uh, – casting too dark a cloud over uh, what really is one of the signature sporting events of the year. No question. We'll leave it at that. We'll look forward to reading your work throughout the tournament. Maybe we'll uh, catch up again between now and the close of the event, okay? All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you.